Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So it was the summer of 1993. 1993, let me tell you about what's going on during that time. The cost of gas, you ready for this? $1.16. Yes, we actually used to be able to afford gas. The movies were Jurassic Park and Sleepless in Seattle. Now, if you have any emotional tie to large dinosaurs or cry movies, you've got great movies in 93. A movie ticket costs $4.14. I know that because I worked at a movie theater and made $4.25 an hour minimum wage. The average cost of a new car, $12,750. Amazing year. And it was my junior year in high school. That's what made it amazing, right? Because as we think through our past and our childhood and things that happened during that time, there's a nostalgia to when we are growing up. And for me, 1993 was my junior year. I was going to be looking to be a senior. So all of our students here today, I know how you feel. You have this opportunity to someday, like what my future is going to hold. And I had all these amazing ideas. But I was at youth camp, Hiawatha Youth Camp in the UP. Uh, if you don't know what the UP is, it's that Upper Peninsula. It's Michigan. Why don't we just take it from them? I don't understand. But there's amazing youth camp in Hiawatha Forest there called, uh, called the Hiawatha Youth Camp. And I sat in this large room with 350 other high school students. And the speaker came up and it was one of those mood night camp nights. If you ever been to youth camp, you know, there's like mood night. And so as you're sitting there and, and, and they're sharing like, hey, I really want you to think about something. They turn the lights down and they lit the fireplace, you know, and I'm really, I'm too busy staring at the cute girls, you know, but, but anyways, I, that's why I went to camp. I went to camp because I wanted to have fun. I wanted to play sports. I wanted to talk to some cute girls and maybe I'd learn about Jesus. But I sat there as your typical high school American Christian. I love the idea that I could give Jesus what I wanted when I wanted to, but I kept what I wanted. So what I offered to Jesus in my 1993 junior year in high school is I offered him such things as, sure, I'll go to church. Sure, I'll do Bible studies. Sure, I'll be involved with my youth group. Sure, I'll do these things. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of things I kept to myself, which included my future, which included my focus, which included my life. So the speaker sits here in front of this fire, the fire's crackling and, and you hear this booming voice. He had a voice that just kind of took me back. He gave a message about something. I don't know, no one listens to our messages, right? So he gave a message about something, but he said this that shook me to the core. I've never forgot this. So if you can do the math, 1993 was a long time ago. I still remember this man's words. He said this, I'm gonna ask you if you're willing to say the scariest prayer ever said. He goes, but I want to just warn you about this prayer. This isn't a scary prayer in the sense that you are praying it. It's a scary prayer if you mean it. He stood there staring at each one of us. And you know, when you're, when someone's speaking, you feel like they're looking directly at you, um, like I'm doing right now. But you feel that, right? That you're being looked at. And I felt like he was speaking directly into my soul. He said, here's the scariest prayer you could ever pray. It's not because of the outcome. It's because you're going to be willing to give everything up for Jesus. Everything. Jesus, I give you my entire life. Amen. 
And I sat there and I'm like, well, I don't know. Like I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart and I did good things. I started ramming through my, my religiosity. I started thinking through what he meant by that. And he continued on. You have to be willing to give your entire life and admit what you think for your life is not better. And like, whoa, I'm going to be rich someday. I know exactly what I'm doing because I have it in my high school yearbook. I'm going to make a whole lot of money. I'm going to marry a model and my kids are going to play pro sports. I had it all <laughs> written out. Like I had the perfect life set for me. And so I sat here in this room in my purple gotcha sweatshirt. That's a nostalgia for you guys. I love that sweatshirt and I lost it. But I love this sweatshirt. I'm sitting here thinking, God, are you seriously asking me right now to give everything when I haven't started anything? And so I sat there and that's when it happened. Now, if you've had a moment with God or maybe you're learning to experience a moment with him or you're trying to find him, let me tell you what a moment with God feels like. For me, it was this overwhelming I have to do this. There was like a movement in my heart that it was speaking directly to me. Like somebody who knew everything about me was about to ask me to do something that was so scary, but I should not be afraid, which I say only is the spirit speaking to me. So as I sat there as a junior in high school, I said that prayer. Jesus, I give you my entire life. Amen. And then I waited for lightning to strike or something to happen. Nothing happened. I went on my way. We played more basketball. I talked to more cute girls. I went on my way. I went back home. I told my youth pastor that I had prayed that prayer. He said, I already see it in you. You're going to change the world someday. I know this. He wrote me a card, actually, that I still keep to this day that talks about, Jason, I see in you things I haven't seen in others, that you, at some point in your life, God's going to call you to do major damage against the enemy and his kingdom. God has a plan for you. I kept that card. I thought that was nice. I moved on my way. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here because of that prayer. That in 1993, I prayed that God would take my entire life. And through a course of events that only God can do, of taking steps forward, taking steps backwards, being led into ministry, saying, I don't want to do this anymore, trying to quit ministry 23,000 times. God said no, not wanting to plant a church, the we're here and all these things happening over the course of time came from the ability of not a magic prayer but a heart that really said i want to know what it means to give you everything and when that day started it began a new life inside of me that started to think and process through the fact that i am a disciple of jesus the disciples just aren't on paper anymore like i am one in 2021 in 2000 and 1993, I have a mission and a call, but it cost me everything. It cost me my dreams. It cost me my hopes. If you haven't noticed, we're not rich. My wife is a supermodel and my kids may make pro sports. But the fact is, is that I gave up my dreams. And those are silly dreams of a teenager dreaming as a junior in high school, but there's a lot bigger dreams. There's a cost to following Christ. I've lost friends. I've had people turn against me. I've had beloved people who I trusted inside of the church break my heart. I've had beloved people outside break my heart. Maybe you can relate with all this. And the cost of following Christ is huge because if you're not willing to give up everything, 
you can't be called one of his disciples. And that's where we're going to pick up today's passage um, uh, in our book of Luke. So it's on your papers right there in front of you. Luke 14, 25, and I'm going to go through 33. This verse, Jesus, I love Jesus' teaching style because everybody wanted to follow Jesus. We often think of him as unpopular or we see him in the movie and he's not like just his 12 disciples and like three people who are just trying to get healed. That's not how it was. This, this was a rock star moment for Jesus. There were huge crowds all following him for different reasons. Some wanted to hear his teaching. Some wanted to be healed by him. Some just wanted to see what was going on. This was a big thing. So if he's on Instagram, we're talking about a good solid 1 million likes. Everybody is following this new rabbi teacher around who's teaching in this weird way that he has this authority and, and he could speak and people are listening. And he says this, large crowds were following with Jesus. And he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's exactly the verse you want to tell everybody when you're church planting. So these large crowds who are following him, there's a reason why they talk about the large crowd because it's an impact statement. He knows why people are there. He knows why you're here and why we're here, right? So he knows what's going on. He says this to the group. And then all of a sudden I could hear a hush fall over the crowd. Because he's talking about their genealogy. In Jewish culture, their genealogy was everything. Their name was everything. Their father's name was everything. And so for them to say such a huge statement, if you don't hate your own lineage and family, that's like saying if you don't hate your own culture, if you don't go against what social norms are, and you're not willing to reject people and have them underneath me, not hate them, underneath me, you can't be one of mine. That was a huge shock. So I could hear the murmurs in the crowd. Huge crowd of people like, who does this dude think he is? And they start talking. Chip, 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 chip. Now, which most points, most pastors would say, okay, I'm going to leave that point and let you think about it. Not Jesus. Because Jesus really wants you and the crowd to understand what he is saying. Because these group of people are following for all these different reasons. Are they following because they want to be a disciple? Or are they following because they get something from him? Are they going to get rich, get healed, get something from Jesus? Or are they there because he is the Messiah, the one who's come to save them? And so then he moves on with this next piece. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation, are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying that person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Let me tell you about building campaigns. We sat down as we started to work on 206 and we started to count the cost. As a church plant, finances are thin. Obviously, we're a startup. Things are going. We sat down and said, okay, what can we do? And we started to write numbers down of what things cost. And I, I'm new to this kind of thing, right? But I don't know, like everybody counts in tens of thousands because in my house we do like $5 bills, right? So tens of thousands of like repair this, this costs this, this goes there. And you start putting all these numbers together of what it takes to renovate a building. And I might, my goodness, that is a lot of finances. And every time we would say, we'll only do what we can do, we have to count the cost. So we'd go to that level and then we'd say, okay, Lord, you've got to provide once again. And if you guys have heard the story or know the story online, 
God provided again because we took all the doors off of everything except the bathrooms. Y'all need that. We took the doors off just to be able to meet. We count the cost. So Jesus says, think about this. You're going to build a building. You're going to lay a foundation on the ground. You're going to say, this is what I want to build my life on. But you haven't actually thought about what it costs for you to build the building. Why in the same way would you accept me as your master, call me Messiah, want to be my disciple, but have no idea what you're asked of you? Because what I'm asking of you is not a five cent chip in. I'm asking you to push all your chips in. You're all in for the rest of your life. That's what my disciples do. And it makes sense. Nobody wants somebody who's half in and half out. And so Jesus says this statement to this crowd. I could hear the murmurs even more, but he keeps going. Verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. That's a huge statement. If you love your own life more than you love Christ, you can't be one of his disciples. If you love anything more than you love the master, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute because the mission that God has for us costs us everything. And those who give the cost now reap eternity. We just spoke about weeks ago, do not store up for yourself treasures here on earth, but things in heaven, things that last forever. And so what is the purpose of holding back now when all that matters is eternity? Because Jesus is teaching a kingdom upside down philosophy. Things of the world do not matter. The things of kingdom last forever. And so as he flipped the world upside down, it just makes sense. He comes to this point again. You are going to have to give up a large cost. Now, when I was 17 years old, I prayed the prayer with an honest and sincere heart. And I had no idea. Friends, I can say this to you. Um, it's taken a lot out of me. There, myself, my wife, my family, we've gone through a lot. There's been a lot. And I wouldn't give it up for anything because it was good. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good. Just because you're sacrificing doesn't mean that Jesus isn't in it. And though I wouldn't wish some of the stuff on any of you again, it shaped and molded myself and my family into knowing what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus, which then brought us to a church plant that said this, we need to be on mission to make disciples that make disciples, and we need to pour our lives into our community because that's what Jesus would do. It turned a very self-centered Jason into, I just want to know what the master does, and I want to focus on the gospel, which is why we're here as a church family. And that cost a lot. It's still costing a lot. We're in the middle of costing a lot. And friends, if you've been through this or experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. If you're willing to push all your chips in, you have a very different perspective of life because now you move to eternity versus today. Is it worth it? Nothing would ever make me go a different direction except I wish I would have pushed more chips in. I wish at the age of 17, I gave it all right then and right there because I did. I handed Jesus all my life 
but let me just hold on to these things. And the beauty of Jesus, which I love, our God is so amazing is that even though I'm a huge knucklehead and he just has this patience with me and I'm still holding on to things, but he's so patient and it's a process, but it's a heart condition. You can't be a disciple unless you're willing to give up everything. So in this large crowd, in all this popularity, he speaks a statement. Do you know what it costs? Jesus himself gave up his life for it. But until you strip away everything, you strip away your life, you can't see what it means to be a true disciple of following him. You have to put your lineage, your relationships, your honor, your life, everything on the line. But then in this book or in this book where he's teaching here, he says something that's fascinating. When he talks about the idea of war, do you have enough soldiers? Do you have enough enough supplies? Generation Z is currently a generation that live entirely in war. Generation Z, which is our young generation, has lived growing up with constant war. War to them is just this drowning sound of terror, which is always in the back of their mind. They've grown up always being going through scans inside of airports. They've grown up having to duck under, under desks in case of a shooting. Generation Z is a generation that is full of fear and terror. And war is something that is always on their mind. And this is a non-generational statement. Would you consider giving up everything, but first understand what it's going to cost you? Do you have enough soldiers to win? Do you have enough resources to win? Or would you say we are going to simply delegate? As this young generation is rising up and this new generation is going to be the church of Jesus Christ. Friends, it's our job to teach our next generation to count the cost of what it means to follow so we have a generation that does not live in fear, but teaches everyone around them that the church of Jesus Christ, Gen Z, is a powerhouse of strength in that giving up everything. Because fear drives us from giving up everything. Fear makes us hold in. And when you are born in fear, live in fear, or are afraid, you hold on and say, I've got to keep everything for myself just in case. But what if you pushed all the chips in now to take your life to that discipleship, you now invest in generation upon generation and we now create a church, not mosaic, we're talking the church universal, that have people who are walking and living like the people you read in the books in the New Testament. That's no longer black and white pages, but we've got Peter and John and Mary. We've got Paul over here. I didn't put them together on purpose. We could do all these different things and have all these disciples out there in all of our communities and throughout the world making disciples that make disciples. But is it worth it? And that's a pretty big question. Is he really good? Like, is giving your entire life, giving all your hopes, dreams, future, pushing in all your chips, is it worth it? That's for you to decide. All I can tell you, friends, is that there's nothing else I would do and give my life to a greater cause ever again. In my mind, I think of this. We as disciples are literally soldiers. We are the ones at war against spiritual things. And as soldiers, I imagine this. We're undercover and nobody knows who we are, and rightfully so. When you go to large sporting events, veterans rise and they clap. But I talk about the audience of heaven in Hebrews, and it talks about what it would mean for disciples who made disciples. And as soldiers, we lived our life and gave our life to a greater cause. 
great honor to all of our military and thank you for giving your life for our country and great honor for all of our people, both here and internationally, who are giving their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to put your life on the line for Christ as our brave soldiers do every single day? That's what Jesus is talking about. All of our life, all in, together. So now I want to listen to this verse, which you've heard before. The cost of being a disciple, Jesus gives us this command. Then Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to avoid everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. Many Christians believe that it's my job to disciple everybody and Nick's job, paid staff to disciple, I just want to break that. That's, it's not our job. It's your job. It's our job to equip and train you to know what to do to make disciples, to make disciples. If you have a mentality that the church is the place in which you have to get all the answers and you send your friends to get answers here, then shame on us. We're not doing the right job to help train and equip you to make disciples. Because Jesus gave me the command in Matthew 28, but he gave you the command in Matthew 28 that whatever you have, you replicate and give to others. Therefore, go. It is an action statement. Therefore, go has a cost. Therefore, go means you can't stay. If you're comfortable now, you got to get uncomfortable. You have to move. You have to go. You have to be where people are. Therefore, go is such a scary statement because I want to huddle into my own little life and have my own gains. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, go. So what exactly is this discipleship? We've heard about it. We talk about it all the time, but I want to do something a little different today. I want to talk about what discipleship is not. Because as we grow as a church family, as we are blessed with 206 and the building opens, I know the first thing, because it's already started, what's going to come out of your mouth. Let's create programs and activities. Let me tell you what discipleship is not. It is not a program or an activity. Yes, discipleship can come through programs or activities, but what we will not do is create Christian entertainment. That's not what we're called to do. What we're called to do is have a program or activity to help you become a disciple maker to go make disciples. Our 262 met uh, last night, our youth ministry. Amazing time of having fun. Awesome stuff. People are eating jalapenos. I know, awesome, right? It was awesome day. So much fun happening. But if that's it, I quit. We're not here for that. We're here to pour into the next generation to help them identify as a disciple maker to make disciples that replicate. And they can hashtag love where they live. As we sit here, and for those who can't see on Facebook right now, directly to my right across the street, Slinger High School has baseball games going on right now. Right across the street, there are teens and youth and parents and families enjoying having a fantastic time in the rain with baseball. Therefore, go and make disciples. How do we love better? Because our next generation lives right there and is in that school. Discipleship is not education. I know the next thing that's going to come is, well, can we have 85 Bible studies by fill-in-the-blank author because I love their five books and all these things. Sure, those are great things and it's wonderful, but it's not education. Education is a portion of discipleship to understand the master, but then you have to go and do what he said. You have to do 
what he said. Let me just put this into your mind. If you've heard any sermons before, anything you know, you have to do what he said. So now you're on the hook because I'm telling you you have to go and make disciples and therefore go. So today you can listen and not do it or you can go and do it. Discipleship is action and more than education. Discipleship is not a rapid formula. Discipleship isn't a quick, hey, here's the five steps to being a disciple, now move on. Discipleship is a lifelong, life-on-life, teaching and replicating ourselves into others. And that's for why you see the importance of us going. As you are a disciple and you make disciples and they make disciples, I'm just blown away by the very thought that people that I discipled my junior year in high school, their families now know him, know the master. It's not because of me. I just wanted to do what Jesus said. And knowing that there are families and other generations because a 17, 18-year-old boy decided to actually give his life, to know that there are families now who know the master is unbelievable. I can't wait to see what that would look like when all these different people, not just me, but all of us together, like, hey, here's Mosaic's impact on the community and the world. How awesome to see generation upon generation upon generation. Discipleship is following and admitting that his way is better. And so friends, as we process today, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity, no matter what age you are, to say the scariest prayer ever said. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm not going to have you raise your hand and make you come forward at home on our Facebook stream. Obviously, you can raise your hand. I won't see you. The scariest prayer ever said is, are you willing to push all the chips in for the master? Are you willing to go into a discipleship, a way of life? Are you ready to be active and actually do what our master, Lord, Savior, King has asked us to do? which is to go and make more disciples. But I'm asking you to consider the cost. So let me give you some examples. You willing to give up your house? You willing to move overseas? Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Are you willing to sacrifice your finances? Are you willing to sacrifice your future? Are you willing to sacrifice your friends? Are you willing to sacrifice your family? Are you willing to sacrifice everything? Because Jesus tells us that's what he asks of those who say the scariest prayer ever. So I'm going to give you a second as you're processing. And for those who want to, just silently by yourself. This is for you and the Lord, man. I said my prayer in 1993, so it's your time now. Are you willing? If you want to, I'll pray with you. God, I give you my entire life. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.